The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Good evening. Welcome the to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast preview show. Uh, for round 20 versus Sydney, uh, the game we played at sat- on Saturday afternoon at South Paddington Oval in Sydney, also known as the SCG. Um, this, I'm Portia. Joining me this week is Fishing Rick 04. Rick, are you excited for the football? Are you still in it? Are you still in- engaged with Port Adelaide for the rest of this dead rubber? Butcha! Ah, there's the secret, isn't it? That's the secret to every Port fan's enjoyment of football at this stage in the year, isn't it? What a hero. I am excited. I'm excited that Butch is in the side after a great game last week. And mm. I'm excited that I, uh, I've i disappointed you and Macca isn't here. So oh, that's, that's, another, that's awesome as well. So uh, <laughs> I can't live up in, uh, to his big boots, I know. But he has to clean vomit and baby poo instead. So I win. <laughs> yeah, I think we all win. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. But... Yeah, awesome. No, I am actually, seriously. I, uh, yeah, good. I, uh, yeah, I, Butchers revitalised me. And Logan Austin and Tom Cleary. Yeah, Carl Amon. Carl Amon. Yeah. Uh, and Jared Pollock. Yeah, well, I'm in here to write this week. Yeah. I, I don't know, like, if I'm thinking about that Brisbane game, I'm thinking that it's a game, and this goes for Carl Amon too, like, it's a game where they should do well because the Brisbane accountability was really terrible. Yeah. Um, but we'll what see account- this week. This will be the complete contrast. We'll see how what they a, go. What accountability? Well, that's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> it. Like, you saw, we saw multiple times players near the goals just putting on a little burst, like, not even having to try that hard, just doing a little bit of a burst, and they're breaking well free of their opponents. And it's just, yeah, no. Yeah. But anyway, this week... Let's move on, go to the hot topics. And the hot topic this week, of course, is Justin Westhoff's 200th game. Yes. Now, I have a question, Rick. Sure. Um, Obviously, Justin Westhoff started out, you know, not all that great. And over the years, there's been a a lot of different variations to him. But do you think that only now are we finally seeing peak beard? No. No. What is he? He's 30. Um, yeah. Men men don't really mature properly till mid to late thirties. So mm. I, I expect he's just in a girth building phase at the moment, and okay, uh, okay. I would I would imagine that girth is actually going to densify uh, for probably a few more years, and yep. then once he once he's got that, then he can start working on the length, uh, like ZZ Top. So uh, yeah, oh, look, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I reckon thirty. I reckon thirty five. Yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I was just going to say, we've had a comment on Spreaker Chat, which I agree with, I was about to mention from Dylan W., which is Jimmy Bartell is peak beard. Like, Jimmy Jimmy Bartell, you know, that's why he's a champion, isn't it? You know, he's only been growing that for less than a year, and he's got the most magnificent puffy beard. It's uh, absolutely astounding, absolutely astounding. I I would hate to see his testosterone levels, because that is just absolutely amazing he, he must have testicles down by his ankles that man <laughs> he's still got all his hair though <laughs> yeah well you know what Stephen Dank had an influence there while Jimmy yeah. Bartell was there so maybe maybe he got on the yeah yes yeah maybe there's a bit of a coincidence but yeah that he's now that's that's good I he's an impressive beard man very impressive absolutely but I suppose we've got to also mention his football so Rick now yes. that you're well prepared, 
Yes. What's your favourite Justin Westhoff game? Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. I, I love that game where he won the showdown medal. Was that 2013? Oh, I forget. I forget. Yeah? I'm winging it. Yeah, that's, look, I'm, I've got to uh, say... That's, that's a credit. Honestly, I've got to say I'm winging it as well because I don't have Mecca's encyclopedic memory of every game played by Port Adelaide. Um, but... Look, honestly, I, I think a really satisfying one would have been round one in 2014 when he kicked five goals and it was against Carlton and everything looked really positive for the club at that point. <laughs> it was a really nice moment in general. What about the um, 2013 final against Geelong where he yeah? kicked, kicked that running snap on the boundary? Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I'll, I'll pick that as his best game just for that goal because that yeah. was an amazing goal. Important game too. Yeah, that we yeah. lost, but that doesn't matter. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he's been a good player. But, I mean, I've been critical over of the years. And, it, and it's more not him, but the way that he's been played. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I've said it, you're probably sick of me saying it, but, you know, I always maintain that he's throwing our structures off because he's tall and he, they pick him as a tall forward, but they never play him there. And then we end up playing a tall forward short in our forward line. And so he's a detriment to our side through his versatility that the coaches fall in love with. Yeah, look, I mean, I think he's, we call him a tall forward, but I think if we were going to call him anything at all, we have to really call him a tall utility Um, because that's what he is. You know, he can play a little bit in the middle. He can play, he's good at taking those defensive marks when he has to, Um, but he does do, I suppose, probably his best work in the forward line in my view. Um, but look, he's been pretty consistent. Uh, only last week we were celebrating Paul Stewart's hundredth game. Well, um, Justin Westhoff's the same draft, and he's got his two hundredth this week, so he's uh, not doing too badly there in terms of racking up the games. Um, I guess if you had to have a criticism of Westhoff's game, it'd be that sometimes he just goes missing for a few weeks, and there's no real explanation. Um, like it, it, you don't you don't hear anything about it. He never gets a rocket that you hear in the media, like other players get rockets in the media, but you don't really hear it about Justin. But then he comes good again, and you just wonder why why he had to come good again and not just stay good. Mm. But he's had some really good seasons over that period and a couple of, I suppose, reasonably ordinary ones too. Um, I don't know. I think that when he's gone, we'll realise that he was actually a pretty fun player to watch. So um, let's enjoy it while he's here. Absolutely. And I think the way he plays, he's, I reckon he's still got a few years left in him too. Maybe, yeah. maybe. I could see him playing probably another three years. Yeah, maybe. No? Uh, look, I when a player gets to that point in their career, I'm a one-year contract person. Um, yeah. One year at a time. He might play another three years, but it wouldn't surprise me too much if he sort of tailed off. Because um, if he doesn't produce, like we talk, we talk about, or I talked about just then, about how his consistency may be a little bit up and down. And if his consistency, the lows become longer and the high points become shorter, then that will be a bad thing for the production in the side, for the for the um, for the side in general. So I think that it might yeah. see him out rather than him being a broken down forward like a couple of other players. Sure, but it's an interesting. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry, I won't say. Oh, 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 okay. Um, all right, well, look, we'll move along. Our uh, next thing that's come up on the news today is uh, Good Friday football as being talked about as part of the next negotiation for AFL TV rights. Oh, exciting. Um, well, it would be, except that apparently 
And again, this could just be media crap, but apparently the teams that are pushing for it to get it are North Melbourne, Carlton, the Western Bulldogs and St Kilda. And honestly, that would be just so disappointing. <laughs> well, you know? so predictable. Well, it's so predictable, but like you get to Good Friday and think, oh, great, it's going to be a Good Friday game. Awesome. And then it's, you know, St Kilda versus um, Cal- know, Fremantle or, or Carlton or something. And it's like, oh, I don't care. Oh, let's face it, it, it won't involve a, a non-Victorian side. No, and it probably should. Um, yeah. And more to the point, there's no reason why you'd only have one game on the Good Friday either. Um, True. But you could do a late, a late in a day, and then a, and then an evening, a night game. You could even do a twilight in an evening, and make it yeah. one big footy night. That'd yeah, work that, right. That's what I mean. And then you yeah. can play one in Perth as well, potentially. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I mean, that could be the second one. So maybe you have a Victorian one up first, and then a Perth one or something. Yeah, look, I mean, the Victorian dominance of these marquee games has been going on way too long. It's I call, ridiculous. Yeah. I call for a Super League myself. Mm. Let's have a, mm. a Super League breakaway. And um, There's no power to do that, though, not the way the league is structured. I know, it's a shame. They're too, they were too crafty, the VFL. But, but um, yeah, it's just, look, it's just too skewed. And, and I guess that's part of my reason I've sort of lost interest in the broader AFL, not Port, not Port Adelaide, but the broader AFL, because I'm just sick of the the bias. You know, the bias in the commentating, mm. the bias, the bias in the fixturing, the bias in the, the recognition of history. Um, you know, and I'm sort of I'm sort of over it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, uh, so and I'm not, particularly. I'm not alone. No, and I think particularly Foxtel, it becomes really evident um, because the take up for Fox 40 in Victoria is the biggest part of their subscriber base because not all of the local teams have all their games on free-to-air, whereas, you know, they're always going to prioritise the outside of Victoria teams lower because most of their games are going to go free-to-air, so there might not even be all that many Foxtel subscribers for the footy um, on the whole. I mean, there'll still be a good number, but, you know, there'll always be a lower priority than making sure the Victorian teams and their fans feel loved. So it's unfortunate, but on the upside, at least Port are getting every game free to air in South Australia. So Yes. That's, that's not, you can take some shitty commentary if you're getting free football, I think. And the, and the good news is, I guess, uh, with that bias and the fixturing, it just means I go out more and uh, drink more tea. Yeah, lovely, lovely tea. More yeah. and more tea. Excellent. Uh, I'm really hooked on peppermint tea lately. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that one so much. I don't like the aftertaste. No? Yeah, no, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. What a, let's rock. What are we on to? All right, we're going to move on to first time they met, which is part of our 20th season uh, discussion. Uh, and this one goes back to round 11, the 7th of June, 1997, when we played Sydney at Football Park. Uh, this game started all right. We kicked one goal three to Sydney's two goal three, uh, but then Sydney really blows down the water the second quarter, kicking five goals to two. The third quarter, Sydney kicked one goal and Port kicked zero goals, seven points. And the final quarter, Port kicked one goal and Sydney kicked 2.3, uh, two goals three. Uh, Sydney won in the end, uh, 10 goals, 16.76 to Port Adelaide, four goals, 17 points, 41 total. 17 points. 17 points and four goals. Um, so you go through the goals. Scott Cummings kicked three of those four. Uh, Adam Kingsley kicked the other. 
Uh, Shane Brewer kicked zero goals three. Jared Cotton kicked zero goals two. And Nathan Eagleton kicked zero goals two. Um, so you wouldn't you wouldn't count on it, would you? You wouldn't count on it being that much of a disparity. But uh, look, there's a good reason for that. Um, Paul Ruse had an absolutely fantastic game. 27 disposals, eight marks. And that Sydney defence coming off a, a grand final year, they were just really... Would always going to be a tough challenge for us um, to beat, and um, in the end of the day, that's what happened. We didn't beat them. Uh, do you remember anything about that game at all? No, no, yeah. not much, not much. Only a little bit here and there. I remember this is the game, obviously, where I learnt to hate Paul Roos because um, <laughs> he just seemed to be getting the ball so easily. It was very it was frustrating. Player. It was a good uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Try- I'm trying to, I'm trying to think while you're talking about about the players that would have played back then. I was thinking they had Carter with the broken neck at full-back, but they had Dunkley by then, didn't they, as their full-back in 97? Uh, in 97? I didn't keep this page up. Yeah, because uh... I reckon in 96, Dunkley missed the grand final because he was suspended. And, um, yeah, so I reckon Dunkley was their full-back. And they had um, Mitchell, didn't they? They had Mitchell in the, in the midfield with Paul Kelly. He was still playing. No, not Mitchell. Dunkley was the fullback at that time, though. Was um, he? Yeah. Yeah. And they had uh, Cresswell. He was a good player. Yeah. Consistent. Troy Cook was a really good player, too. I, I don't think he ever really got the accolades he probably deserved. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the memory's a bit. The main. The memory's a bit hazy, my friend. Yeah, and look, I mean, it just sort of became... Really, for me, it sort of becomes a blur with all of the other Sydney games we've played and been really, really smashed in. Um, Shit, is the word you're looking for. And I reckon it stems all the way back from 2003. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably. That that final. Was it Uh, the qualifying final? Oh, yeah, that one. That was yeah. 2003. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we had a problem with against them before that. But, yeah, that was certainly the the one that was really just the most awful. <laughs> but let's not talk about the most awful. Um, let's, let, let's, let's just always remember that game where Jared Poulton won us the game by a point by kicking a goal on the siren at the end that of the game. That was so, so awesome. Oh, it was such a great game, and he, he was—he had the black band around his arm because his mate had died, and it was just—it was a really a, a, one of those real romantic games that make you think AFL's not entirely soulless and awful. Um, it was a really entertain—it was a really awful match actually to watch, but getting the win at, in Sydney as well—that was a really enjoyable one. Um, look, I've been told on the uh, Sprigger chat, Porsche, mm. the 1997 season highlights are on YouTube. I don't know if anyone told you, and that's from Scott S, which. Yeah, okay. All right. Fair call. Oh, fill, up, fill us in, Scott, <laughs> while, we're, uh, while we're talking. Yeah, yeah. I, I should really do more research for these sorts of things. But I thought I was going to be going on with Macca, and Macca remembers everything, so I thought I could <laughs> slack off. But I've been caught out. <laughs> <laughs> You've you got a, another incompetent person with you for a change. Oh, dear. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we'll move on to the last time they met, which was last year at the SCG. Um, unfortunately, guess what? Another loss. Uh, Sydney, 14 goals, 10-94, beat Port Adelaide, 12 goals, 12-84, at least we were kind of accurate. Uh, it started interesting uh, in that we probably felt like we were in it. We were holding them off just. Uh, the first quarter was a tied quarter, kicking four goals, one each. But, um, uh, yeah, the second quarter, we kicked two goals and Sydney kicked four. The third quarter, we kicked two goals, Sydney kicked four. 
Um, and then we kicked four goals to Sydney's two, but really it just wasn't enough. We lost it in that second quarter, realistically. Uh, the ruck jewel involved players, none of whom are playing this week. Mike Pike had 25 hitouts versus Lobby and Ryder. Um, so what's going to happen this week will be interesting, but we'll discuss that in a, very shortly. Uh, and uh, our goal, kick, goal kickers were Wingard, Westhoff and Cracker. Wingard with three, Westhoff and Cracker with two each. Um, for Sydney, Sam Reid and Adam Goods were there two that kicked three, and neither of them are in this side this week. But of course, Buddy Franklin is in, and he's apparently a, a fairly good player. Um, do you, yeah, yeah, I hear. I hear he's quite good. I hear he's quite good, but I, I, I heard don't, he's a good haven't heard much too. about him. Yeah, look, I'm not sure he's such a good bloke since he stopped wearing brown and gold. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, here we are. Look, we've got a comment from Matt Lane. Uh, he says he actually spoke to the Kane Corns after a Sydney match at Amy in some of our shit years. He said that as a club, we hate playing Sydney because they always leave us extremely sore and they thrash us in contested ball. They run all day and have bigger bodies. Unfortunately, nothing appears to have changed. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> well, that's that's an indictment on us, really, though, isn't it? Well, yeah. Look, it really has to be, doesn't it? And that all comes down to recruitment, so that's unfortunate. We used to be a big body side. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm going back to the SANFL days, mm. and and then when we went into the AFL, but we were always a team that seemed to have bigger bodies yep. than the other clubs, and we've just gone away from that pathway. Yeah. Look, I mean, it was also like I think that the way we were in the SANFL is kind of, well, realistically, it's like Geelong is now. Um, in that they've still got a lot of big bodies and people are like, ah, oh, yeah, they're big and they're kind of slow. They're probably not going to win, but that strength really holds out in wet weather and uh, um, yeah. you know, speed loses quicker than strength, I think. Yeah, and it always reminds me of like the state of origin. You know? When the SA team went up against Victoria, we were like boys against men every year. You know, we were the slender boys and... Yeah, you know, the the Victorians were just built like tanks, and the, they just steamrolled us with their bigger bodies. And it's the same. It's yeah, you know, I, I I just strength strength in football. Uh, you know, the the AFL keeps saying they're changing the game, you know, for more run and carry, but the game still seems to favour the strength and bodies of the sides, and that's I guess because of contested possession. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I think that with Sydney, like, even if it didn't particularly favour it, I think it's really, um, the SCG is a huge part of it. Yeah. Uh, because it is so, like, if you get that centre clearance, then you are in front of goal, basically. Right. If you get a clean centre clearance, you're in front of goal. So that midfield that midfield uh, uh, contest is extremely important to them in most of their games, realistically. So they'll always have more incentive to have that style of player. Um, similarly, you'd have to imagine that um, the Western Australian teams should always have more of an incentive to have good outside runners, and they usually do with that too. So, um, yeah, Matt Lane's got another comment. Um, I wonder how much rugby has an effect on the body shape of Sydney players. You would think that they sort of train with slash information share with the NRL clubs up there. They've had shared initiatives before, and look, I'm, that, I think that's pretty much bang on. I mean, this SCG is right next to where the Sydney Roosters play, um, and I think a couple of other clubs might be based out of there. I have, don't keep track. Um, you'd have to think there's a lot of IP in Sydney for them to really leech off um, and not really be competing with them. So Here's another observation. Yeah. Well, not about the size of Sydney, but I was mm. listening to a Sydney game 
two weeks ago on the radio while, mm. I, was dri- while I was driving, obviously. That's the only reason I've been listening to a Sydney game. And um, the, the comment, Tim Lane made reference that the kicking of the off the ground instead of picking up the ball was becoming more prominent. Now, I haven't been able to see too many AFL games, but it made me reflect and think, well, with the AFL's new interpretation of not really favouring the man that goes first for the ball anymore, mm. are they actually changing the dynamic and the fab- fabric of the game where players now, instead of trying to pick up the ball, are just going to kick it off the ground and try and kick it as long as they can? Because otherwise, the other consequence is they try and grab the ball and they get pinged hold and ball. I think that's a trend. I think, I mean, if I'm thinking about the team that I remember most using that tactic of not actually taking possession, um, it's West Coast 10 years ago. Uh, so I don't know that it's a new thing at all. West Coast were absolutely phenomenally in their peak at sort of accidentally tapping the ball forward and never quite getting possession, but still moving the ball forward in the right direction. Uh, and doing those grubber kicks. And, I mean, we've picked up doing it in recent years too, but like West Coast, they absolutely perfected that, that whole look clumsy but actually be directing the ball but also be in the process entirely untackleable. Um, it's a useful trick to be able to do if you've got the ball skills to do that. So um, I think that, I don't know, if, I think you're probably right, there is some influence in that, but I, I think it's been a long time coming. I don't think it's a recent thing. Mm, interesting. Mm. Yeah. All right, well, look, we've got another couple of comments um, on Spreaky Chat. Uh, Ryan Pillar has said, Caro was saying on 5AA that she is of the understanding that Laid and Choco haven't been told they are not needed anymore and he'd love to get Laid back. But Matt Lane has said other articles say Laid was wanted at Richmond and they were keen to retain him, but Choco not so much. Um, if, I were, if I was Richmond, I'd sack everybody. <laughs> yeah, and, but then what? And you know? I don't see why Port Adelaide would want either of those coaches. Yeah, look... Especially Williams. Well, yeah, well, I agree on that one. Um, Laid, though, I mean, I, I just don't know what his role is at the club at Richmond, really. That's what it comes down to. Isn't he a midfield um, coach? Is he? Is he? Like, if he's I a development so. coach, he might be okay, but if he's not, then no. I thought he was a midfield coach. I'm happy to be corrected, though. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, look, we'll um, get on to this week's game. Can I just interject there? Oh, oh yes. If we're, okay. gonna, if we're gonna be poaching coaches, yeah. I want them coming from Hawthorne. I want them coming from Sydney, uh, potentially even Fremantle. I want to be stealing the good club's intellectual property. Um, I have no interest in stealing intellectual property from a footy club that's been even more crap than ours. Um, I don't know. I don't see how that's actually pushing us forward. I think that's a, an incomplete view, Rick. Um, I agree that if all we want to do is steal other people's ideas, that's a good way to recruit. However, coaches have their own ideas on what they're going to do, you know. Um, <laughs> what Alistair Clarkson was recruited from a side that had been known for choking, he did all right. Yeah, but we were still performing at the top level. Um, yeah, we were still performing. And, yeah, absolutely. You want a, the coach to have been at a side that at least has shown good football for the quality mm. of their list at that time. That doesn't always necessarily mean it's a top four side. Um, but it's really mostly important to judge the character of the coach and also, importantly, what their vision of future football is and work out if it makes sense or not, you know. 
Um, we don't want to just steal ideas that have already been tried. We want to get new ideas, and that will not always come with assistants that are at the top clubs. Yeah, but if we look at my, it's look at most of the clubs. Like Ross Lyon came from Sydney before he went to St Kilda, who were performing well. Alistair Clarkson came from uh, a, a brief Port Adelaide background and also coaching in his own right successfully at Central Districts. Uh, you've got um, Beveridge, who came from the breeding ground of Hawthorne and mm. uh, and is doing quite well now as well. Um, John Longmire is a bit unique. He just served a, a long apprenticeship under Paul Ruse and uh, and actually did, did okay. Um, Adam Simpson, who's doing okay at West Coast, he, he came from uh, the Hawthorne breeding ground as well. Um I'm running out. Who else is in the top eight? We don't worry about North Melbourne because they're just crap. And uh, and the Crows, they're a bit of an anomaly. So, uh, But I guess recent history is showing that that sort of theory... Now, you just don't take a coach from a, a top side and, and go, oh, you got a job because you work at Hawthorne. They still have to be a quality character, have, have the right skills to perform the task. But I would be leaning. I mean, look what Hawthorne did to us in their, in their lowest ebb. I mean, they just di- we just allowed them to dissect the, a whole chunk of our intellectual property yeah. uh, and use it for their own benefit. And, I, you know, it still jades me today that we just freely allowed that to happen. But anyway, that's a different topic. Yeah, just on that different topic. I mean, that really is the one thing that sort of taints the legacy of Mackie Cunningham for me. <laughs> yeah. Because he was being the good guy and he let Clarkson go early and he also made sure Choco was on a big long contract before he left and I think those were two, bad, two pretty big mistakes. But Correct. Anyway. Yes, anyway. Yes, okay. Right, this week versus Sydney. Um, this is really quite boring in some ways. We've got Charlie Dixon back, which is great. That's uh, awesome. And Jimmy Tompas is back. Uh, no, he's not. Oh, sorry, Tompas is, Tompas is out, sorry. Um, the bench named is Carl Amon, Jared Pollock, Nathan Cracker and Brendan Archie. Um, two tall forwards. I think at the start of the year, every Port fan out there would have been saying, we really want to see that. I just question doing it at the SCG for the first time um, in a long time because it's the one ground in Australia that you can get away with one good key forward. So I, I don't know what, the, I don't know. I kind of feel like Dixon might not be right and we're playing games with selection and that at the last minute he might pull out and we'll bring in one of the pacey guys that are listed as emergencies, and that's um, Need, uh, Tompas, or not really pacey, and Riley Bonner is another one, but I don't know if they'd bring him in as an emergency for his debut. I don't know. No, I reckon we're stupid and we're just going to play them. Yeah, well, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but I'm just, if you were going to change your game plan, this is probably, not that it's a bad week to do it, but it's, it's just a week when it's probably less necessary to do it than in other weeks. But Yes, I agree, but... Mm. I guess if Dixon's fit, you want him in the side and you can't drop the push. So um, maybe Westhoff is going to swing back a fair bit of this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Look, um, and play the chop out well. Yeah. Just on the previous topic, we had a couple of good comments on Spreaker. Um, there's been a bit of an argument between oh. uh, Ryan Piller and Matt Lane about uh, coaching pedigree. Coaching pedigree. Um, which is that... Matt Lane's saying, we've seen some really highly rated coaches get absolutely smashed once employed as head coaches, so successful systems aren't everything. Uh, Ryan Pillar said, Dean Bailey left Port a premiership assistant and sputtered it up at Melbourne. Um, 
McCartney went to the bullies an overwhelmingly renowned coach and turned to poo. And Matt Lane has said, I feel McCartney isn't a bad coach, but a bad cultural fit for the Bulldogs list. But uh, Interesting, mm, yeah. because those failures mentioned uh, yeah. failures at pretty much unsuccessful clubs, aren't they? So maybe they didn't, they were good coaches, but they didn't pick their targets very well. Well, that's the thing. Like you talk about setting up a whole system. Um, just because you come from a good system doesn't mean you know how to replicate it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, all right, anyway, back to the game. Um, (laughs) The Swans have made no changes, which is understandable, seeing as they smashed free over 90 points last week in Perth. Um, How many buddy kick? Sorry? Did buddy kick many? I don't know. I don't think so. No? I I mean, I don't know that he was conspicuous by his goal kicking. Hang on, let's have a quick squeeze. You're asking me all these questions, Rick. What's with all these questions? Well, I just, um, I just like to know. Sorry, I just got to go to the toilet. Is that alright? Really? No, I'm actually filling up a water bottle. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You actually believe me? Hey, look, look. That says more about you than me because I believe that you would do that. (laughs) I know. I'm an honest guy. Uh, Franklin kicked two goals three last week, just so okay. you know. So he's due for an off game then. Awesome. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, this, we have had a couple of questions here um, from Andre, which are pretty good. Um, Andre has asked, with Dixon back, do we expect him to take ruck duty so Jackson can spend time back? No. No, I, I don't think there's a second tall forward that would even justify it, particularly with Cleary and Austin still both in the side. Well, why, um, don't, why do we need to... Why would we want to swing Justin uh, Jackson back when he's doing such a great job in the ruck? Yeah, well, I mean, he's not only not needed, but he is, as you say, doing a good job in the ruck. Um, I, I don't know that we'd really get much out of that. Um, and uh, Andre has also asked, Dixon and Butcher, who will get the most of the three things? Goals, marks, goal assists. So who's going to get the most goals of Dixon and Butcher? Dixon. Who's going to get the most marks out of Dixon and Butcher? Butcher. Who's going to get the most goal assists out of Dixon and Butcher? Butcher. Yeah, I probably agree. Yeah. We actually agree on something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I might have gone the marks one. No, not the marks one. Probably the goal assists one I might have said, but... Well, if dropping the ball to the crummers on the ground is a goal assist, well, maybe. Well, it's not, but... Yeah, all right. Well, look, we'll we'll, we'll go with what you said. I'll I'll stick with agreeing with you just because it's nice to actually agree occasionally. Um, looking at the sides that are named for Sydney and Port Adelaide, um, we have to look at how we match up on them. It's an interesting rock jewel. It's one that we have no real way to measure again. Uh, Sam Naismith and Nankovis are going up against Jackson Trengove. I'm, look, I'm pretty happy with this matchup. Naismith's got genuine uh, height, so that might be a little bit challenging. But, I mean, Jackson Trengove's just been an absolute competitive beast lately. Um, and I think that we've talked about how important it is to have contested football at the SCG. Uh, and I think that Jackson will absolutely thrive in that environment if he can get enough space and not be completely physically smashed um, the whole game, which I suspect will probably happen. Do you know, but I'm not a football um, tactician, yeah. but I reckon Sydney are going to be one of the most clever sides with trying to negate Jackson uh, because I reckon he's going to have the agility over those two Ruckman. And I just wonder if they're going to perhaps have someone like Josh Kennedy 
close to Jackson around the ball up. So, uh, so his bigger frame um, in the midfield for their midfielders will be able to sort of uh, try and nullify Jackson. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that if you're looking for the area where Jackson Trengove is most vulnerable, it's the fact that if you play a, a defensive midfielder on him, he won't get the same opportunity to influence as he currently does. Um, and, you know, he'll break through a lot of the tackles, but then there'll be a lot that he'll just get a free kick paid against. And as we discussed, a, a kick out of centre becomes a goal pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably what's going to happen is it'll get roughed up a bit and he'll also probably get a really accountable defender on him, would be my mm-hmm. guess. Well, it'll be a, it'll be a very good test for Jackson because Sydney are no mugs; they're very tactically astute, and I'll be really interested to actually um, watch the uh, the tactics that they employ against Jackson. Absolutely, um, good comment from Matt Lane on Spreaker chat. The issue here is remember Jacko saying that two rucks played against him when we played the Hawks, and he said they got the better of him. Hopefully, he can adjust to the situation and learn from the last time this happened. Which, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I think, think there's probably a, there's a there's a fitness element in that as well. You know, um, he's not going to have that fitness edge against two ruckman, but you know, Nankervis, eh. Um I don't know that it'll necessarily matter. I think quality will win over win out over fitness in this one. So you're not a big Nankervis fan? Nah, look, I'd, he's just a player. Um, right, midfield. This is the battleground. This is where the game will be won or lost. Um, the, Sun, the Swans guys are in good form. Isaac, um, Isaac Heaney kicked four last week and he got a good number of touches. Tom Mitchell kicked three. Kieran Jack's solid. Dan Hanabury is a gun. Um, Parker's great. Um, look, they're really tough. They're really good at contested uh, game. They're really good at clearances. And if we're not getting first touch somehow, we're in trouble. So Why are they um, top? They should be mean? top. They should be the best team in the competition. Uh, look, they should be, but they're not for whatever so why, reason. So why aren't they? I think because Hawthorne's probably better balanced. Um, I think, like, if you look at the Sydney defence, it's okay, but I think mostly it's okay because their midfield is so dominant. But I think that when their midfield isn't dominant, I think that defence gets exposed. Personally, mm. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of their defensive um, players. Their system's good, but I'm not sure about their players. Like, I think they're just okay. Right. Um, yeah, so what do you think about the midfield battle? Do you think we've got any of the chance there? Do you think we'll try anything tricky? Well, it depends which midfield shows up. Uh, mm. I don't think we can do anything tricky. Uh, I think Brendan Archie is pretty vital for us in the midfield this week, you know, with Ollie Wines, because I guess, like you said, they've got some good strong on ballers, and so we've got really Brendan, Jackson, and Ollie um, as our bigger bodies so uh, that's going to be a challenge so we're going to really need um, Brad Ebert, Robbie Gray Travis Boak Brendan Archie to really stand up and mm. uh, and be competitive around the centre clearances and yeah, I just keep hoping that we see a game where Brendan's you know playing around the contest and just you know I just think his handball is such a weapon and I think yeah, and the coaches are saying they want a better kick-to-handball ratio for Brendan, but I just think he's got so, such creativity with his handball. You know, he can he can weight them and, and lob them when he needs to. He can do power. Uh, you know, it's such a massive weapon. And because it's like a kick, you know, I'd love to just, you know, position a player forward of the contest 
and just have him bang handball at 20 metres over that contested zone around the ball. I, I think you know, if we could structure well for that, it could be a, a game-breaker for us. I have criticisms of Brendan Aichi that were not resolved last week. Um, my main one in the situation that you're talking about is that I just don't think he's fast enough thinking. So we finally saw last week the return of the creativity in his, in his handball, like that, that genuine... Um, attacking ability that we saw at the end of last year but then vanished for basically all of this season until last week. Um, and I think that's mostly to do with the fact that he wants that little bit longer to think about what he's doing or spot his options before he does it, and that's what is happening there. Mm. Um, so in a contested game, like a really tough contested game, look, he might get the ball out, but I don't know that you can count on him to be that creative. Um, and secondarily, your idea of hand-passing 20 metres forward, like, the main difference between a hand pass and a kick and the hand pass is great and it's accurate and everything is that you don't get a mark for it. You don't get a mark and marks are really nice. They're really good. Um, it's too easy to get a handball receive in a situation like that and get tackled and then it's a turnover. So wastes a good clearance. But um, look, hopefully he can lift. Hopefully this has been the confidence booster he needed. Um, but again, he's sort of coming good at a time of year and it doesn't... I don't know whether the same level of attention is being paid to him as it would have been earlier in the season. Yeah. I say go, Brendan. Stop picking on him. (laughs) I'm not picking on him. I'm just commenting. I know, I'm with you. Well, I guess... (laughs) No, I won't say that comment. Anyway, let's continue on. All right, we'll move on to forwards. Um, Apparently, like we said earlier, that this um, Lance Franklin guy called Buddy for some reason, he's apparently quite good. Um, I'm really hoping Lockheed and Austin gets a run against him. What do you think? I'm Buddy. Yeah. Interesting. I guess his height's probably a better matchup for Buddy. I, I, yeah. I guess the, everyone's been saying Tom Cleary. I'm not convinced on Tom Cleary for that role because I think he's more likely to give a <coughs> metre or two away. Um, if you make sure that um, Logan Austin knows his role is 100% to be on Buddy Franklin's tail... Um, and he can focus on that, then I think he can probably do quite well in that role. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, we've dropped Tumpus. We have Hartlett out. Uh, and the way that you normally beat Buddy Franklin is be by having someone run in front to take intercepting marks. I guess this is probably something we'd be expecting Matthew Broadbent to do in the circumstances. Uh, we, don't so. have, we obviously don't have O'Shea there to do it. Um, and no cracker either. Um, so I guess it probably comes down to Broadbent. Can you think of any other option we might have there? Uh, Paul Stewart? No, God, no. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> that's uh, that's the only one I can... Well, I'm talking about the drift-in player, Paul Stewart. Yeah, not... no, no, it's terrible. He doesn't have the... the... Paul, well, Stewart is only... Paul Stewart's up. only playing well because he's been, oh. having, been being directly accountable yeah. for an opponent. Stupid me, Justin Westhoff. Oh, maybe. He'll be the floater chip, chip in front of the forwards. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it'd I have, suppose. It'd, it'd have to be, because like you said, can't be Paul Stewart. Matthew Broadbent, maybe, but he's not fantastic at it. He's done all right in that role. Like He's had some yeah. really good games in that role in the past. Yeah, but he's also had some average ones as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, I think we'll see. Uh, I think Westhoff will uh, float back a fair bit and do try and do that chop out role. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Gary Rowan. Um, there's a lot of Gary Rowan love on the big footy board uh, for Port Adelaide. Uh, I'm in that crew. I remember seeing him before he was drafted and I thought he was good. And he's had a really horribly injury-wrecked career, basically. But he's coming pretty good, I reckon. Although he's still not over you know, two goals a game or anything like that. Um, but the rest of their forward line, it's it's all right. Um, it's going to be driven by midfield again because it's the SCG. So it's really those attacking midfielders that we talked about, I suppose, under midfield, like you know Heaney and Hanbury. Um, they're going to be the real threats to the forward line. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we'll handle that. Um, I don't know how we'll handle it. Is Tipper playing? No. No. No, he's not playing. No? No. Um, they've got Lance Franklin and their secondary tall forward, if they're going to pretend they're playing one, is Xavier Richards. Um, he's only played four games, so I don't think he's the threat. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, well, look, we'll go on to the defence quickly. Uh, oh, I've got a comment, sorry, on the Spreaker chat forum. Uh, Ryan Pillar has said he'd put Darcy Byrne-Jones on Rowan, which I think is probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, Matt Lane has said in before Rowan kicks seven and Ara Russell Ebert handball has an immediate, which, yep, that's, yep. <laughs> um, anyway, what's he, if, what's he got an immediate over? Gary Rowan, he's a he's a big Gary Rowan fan too. Oh, okay. good, good old Gazza. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, uh, and uh, moving on to the defence. Um, look, I've said previously, I don't think this is the area where Sydney is strongest. They've got some okay options there, but if you were going to expose them, it would ideally be in this area, and particularly, um, you know, if Dixon and Butcher can somehow find a way to work together in their first game playing in the same side, then um, we could exploit that, but. What are the odds that they'll both play well in the first game on the same side? It doesn't seem high, does it? Well, going by Dermot Brereton's first quarter commentary, um, Butcher will be a fantastic decoy, won't he? <laughs> because no one wants to kick to him. What do you mean? Oh, it was tongue cheek. I brought it up on the forum earlier in the week, but I just thought it was commentary of Butcher was appalling where... Basically, he was just ridiculing him on um, on commercial TV, just like, you know, if you, you know, there's a reason why they don't want to kick to him, because if you want someone to miss everything, you kick at a butcher. And uh, and I just thought it was an appalling comment. So extending on from that with a bit of sarcasm, I'm saying, well, I guess the butcher will be a good decoy because the poor players don't want to kick to him. Yeah, OK. But I think they do. And uh, you know what? You've got to honour... Doesn't matter how good the player is or what they do, you have to honour the player in the position. Um, I also think it's kind of short sighted of um, Dermot to even say that because when the players are picking out an option, they don't give a shit if the guy can kick a goal. They care about whether they'll look stupid for kicking to someone that can't take a mark. So um, I think they'll probably kick preferentially to Butcher because they know he can do that. Yeah. So that's right. Uh, it's just a dumb comment that's not founded ex- in truth. But do, you expect, do you expect anything else from Dermot? No, not a thing. Um, <laughs> look, honestly, the last few games I've heard Dermot commentate, he hasn't been too bad. Um, I think the ones where he has always been the worst is when there's been another Hawthorne person on the panel, and those are always the most tedious, annoying, frustrating games to listen to because he just prattles on about 80s stuff and giggles the whole time. Um, all right, look, we're moving on to the game in general. Coaching, should we be worried about John Longmire? I think it's a short answer to this one, which is yes. Um, they know how they know how they play. They know we struggle against it. So um, unless we come up with some really amazing pressure or something new, 
uh, it's going to take a lot to get the swans out of their comfort zone. Um, so that's kind of a worry. Do you think we've got it in us to really bring it up to them? Or I'm not convinced. Uh, look, we could we could be gallant in defeat, like one of those games where we're probably not really in it, but we're not out of it sort of thing. But, you know, I mean, how can we not be worried about the Sydney coaches box with our appalling record? I mean... I feel like the Jared Colton game is the only game that we've won. I'm sure there's been a couple others, but you know we've just been that abysmally bad. It's it's almost embarrassing. You know, yeah, it's it's almost like South Adelaide like. Um, you know that you can be just so bad against certain teams. It's that's almost that's psychological scarring. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I just don't know how you get over that. So except for winning. So and changing maybe your, your methodology. You know, mm, if you mm. if you keep losing to the same side for a 10, 15 year period, surely as a footy club you've got to look at, okay, they're one of the benchmark sides, and we can never beat them. So what are we doing wrong that they're doing right? And so therefore, how do we have to improve and get better to negate that? And um, yeah, that's a bit, little bit frustrating. Yeah, look, we've lost our last four games against them, and that has been two at the SCG and two at Adelaide Oval. The last game we won against them was at Football Park, so that tells you how long ago that was. Um, it's not great. And before that, oh my God, you look at that record. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Th- we've won one out of our last 13 matches against them. Woohoo! One out of 13. We haven't beaten them once since 2006. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Once in but, ten years, yeah, and then go and then go part, go back beyond two thousand six. It's probably not that much prettier either. No, it's a little bit better. Um, it's a bit closer to even, but um, we were still behind. But that, yeah, wow, okay. Uh, um, uh, the next question that we always ask: Does either side have the psychological advantage? Yes, clearly, we just made that very clear. Um, Sydney are playing at the SCG. They're a perennial finalist. Um, their record against us is really good. Um, they absolutely have the psychological advantage. It's really, really easy. Um, Ryan Pillar has been very optimistic and he reckons that, um, we must be due for a win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're due. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Again, against Brisbane, we're due for another one. Yeah. All right. Look, we'll move on to Fringe Force 5. Uh, this is a, a pretty short one, I think, um, for a player that this might be the last one we do on him. And that's Cameron O'Shea, uh, talking about Cameron O'Shea and his possibility, I suppose, his future at this point at Port Adelaide. Um, just a reminder, he was pick 52 in the 2010 National Draft. He's 24 years old, same age approximately as Sam Gray and Jared Pollock. Um, Rick, do you, what do you think? Do you think we'll see Cam O'Shea lining up in power colours next year? Shed a tear, cuts, I'm missing you. That's Porsche. <laughs> that was my Guns and Roses recital. I think oh, he's gone... He, uh, and Porsche's going to be very, very upset. Um, yeah, I just I've moved can't. on. I've moved on, Have Logan. You? I've got Logan Austin now. It's fine. No, are you cherry picking now? <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, hey. he's a he's a lot for like three hundred games and five best and fairest. Oh come on! Look, I, I reckon I'm being quite reasonable. <laughs> he's another tall backman that's kind of skinnyish. He was not drafted early in his draft. I, th- I think he fits under the Cameron O'Shea awning of similar kind of player in some kind of respects. So I'm picking Logan Austin from here on. 
I feel like you've jumped off the um, the can the Carl Amon bandwagon pretty. Oh, quickly. he doesn't need me anymore. He doesn't need me anymore. Pretty qu- pretty quickly for the the Logan. Yeah, well, I like defenders better, so that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look, yeah, you know, Cam Cam's been a good servant. Under, I know. Well, I've read the rumours that he's really really popular. Yeah, um, but I think it's time. It's time to go, Cam. And look, I mean, I think it could be really good for him. Um, really, I suppose, depending on where he ends up, though. Um, yeah. If he ends up at a system club, um, like if he went, oh god, if he went to Sydney, he'd be hor- he'd be so frustrating. Um, just as an example, like if he if he was added to that defence, the way they play would absolutely perfectly suit him. Um, Hawthorne. Yeah, Hawthorne probably a bit less, I think. Um, but I think that if you put O'Shea behind that kind of contested midfield setup, I think that that makes it absolutely perfect for him to be able to sort of leisurely read the play and um, get in there and use his work rate to get every ball in centre-half back, on the centre-half back line, so on the half-back line. Yeah. Mm, oh, but if he ends up somewhere like Melbourne, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll get the same return as um, uh, Heretier Lumumba um, in that he looked very good at Collingwood, but without the structure around him, he's not that great. St Kilda? St Kilda, I think they're probably doing a little bit better. He, he could do okay there, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't put him. At, I wouldn't put St Kilda at the top of that list of clubs that would do best with him. Sure. All right. Um, we've got... Dylan W is saying that Austin is already university-like, though, and O'Shea wasn't, which oh, I don't know about that. Maybe... Uh, Matt Lane has said, if Austin starts sucking, it's my fault, Porsche's fault, which is, um, <laughs> that's that's unfair. Um, and Dylan W has said, plus he's not as hot as Cam, no sexy, which is, yeah, probably. Um, and Matt Lane has said he'll be Josh Gibson, just wait for it. So um, Cam O'Shea will go and Josh Gibson somewhere else. Because I've got to admit, I didn't think much of Josh Gibson before he went to Hawthorne either. Um, I'm like, we've got to uh, can move on, I suppose, to the SANFL quickly, which, um, if this is Macca, we'd probably have a really good discussion about this, but it's not, so, because um, Mick and saying? I don't really care. Well, I'm just saying uh, that neither of us particularly care about the right. I felt like you were going to lay the blame on me then. No, no, good. no, it's, def- it's definitely me as well, I have to admit that. Um, we're playing against the uh, North Adelaide Roosters at Prospect yeah. Oval on Sunday, 7th of August at 2.10pm. North are 8th, Port are 6th. Frampton is out with an injury, apparently, which is really unfortunate. But, on the other hand, it didn't look like he was going to get a game this year anyway, so maybe it's just a thing. Um, Tumpus is back in the side. Uh, look, I mean, we're a little bit higher on the ladder. I guess we're going to win. Don't know. No idea. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy's going to drive him to victory. Yeah, hopefully. That'll be good. He needs yeah. to. Yeah. He needs to do something. Go the power. Yeah. Maggie's. One club. Uh, all the yeah. way. Now, we've had a couple of questions on generic stuff on the forum. Um, Wolfie1870 has asked, and I think this is meant to be a, a cost-of-living assistance joke, but I'm not going to treat it like that. Why doesn't cherry cola taste like the cherries most Australians grew up eating? Right. Because Australians don't drink cherry cola, really? It's an American thing? Yeah, it's come like, from the... Like yeah. vanilla Coke and Dr Pepper. I had a Dr. Pepper for the first time when I was in the States. It's Shit's vile. Who the hell drink that crap? I like cherry coke. It's all right. Do you? Yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Which comes to the next question from Dylan 8. Vanilla, cherry or regular coke? Neither. I drink 
water or nice yeah or or green tea yeah yeah well look my my answer is is not too different i mostly drink water and tea if i have to pick one of those three it's cherry every time vanilla is just i don't know like I think that even if you're the fittest person in the world, if you drink vanilla Coke, you probably feel like you're going to get diabetes by the end of the bottle. Um, <laughs> um, but it's so soft drinks. So I pretty much um, only drink brewed soft drinks now because, you know, that's me. I drink ciders. I drink ginger beer, um, you know, good sarsaparilla. Uh, and that Dylan should be hipstering better. So I can, I can tell you now, right, this, is, this has been my diet for the last three weeks, diet and exercise. Yeah. I've had, I've had a... An egg white omelette with four egg whites and one whole egg uh, for breakfast with um, with some zucchini and a bit of tomato. Yeah. And then I, and then I've had three meals every three to four hours after that, which has been like about 100 to 150 grams of chicken with green vegetables, and mm. that's all I've eaten all day. And I've actually lost six kilos in that time. I'm like I haven't eaten sugar in six weeks at nice, all. Nice, nice. And, yeah, that's tough uh, doing that. And no minimal carbs, not hardly any bread, just a bit of sweet potato. But I tell you, if you could, if for anyone that wants to test their mental fortitude and, and you can get through that first month, it is friggin' awesome. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. But and soft drink, I'm sorry, just ain't on the list. Yeah, look, honestly, I, I did um, a sugar free for two weeks, and that was so tough. I just slept so much. <laughs> yeah, look, the week week two to three is it's it's like smoking for me. I, yeah, yeah. I had the same withdrawals with smoking. Like um, the first week, the novelty period, you're, you're okay. Yeah. But then once you get to week two and three, especially that third week, you know you you're really starting to get the psychological demons come out, and you start battling yourself. And um, yeah, but if you can drive through that and not weaken, so you sort of hit it with that week two. Mm. Uh, that's right. Now, look, I mean, I. Don't avoid sugar if I if I want a little bit of alcohol. I'm having minimal alcohol as well. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, just the canned drinks, the, the chocolate, all that sort of garbage, uh, cakes. Yeah, if you can block it out, you you'll go a long way. Yeah, and look, we've got a comment from uh, Ryan Pillar on Spreaker Chat. You sound like a vegan. That's two podcasts in a row you've told us about your diet. Lol. Which, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fair enough. I don't remember saying. I don't remember talking about last time. Well, there you go. And um, Rick, uh, I mean, I guess if you're linking into that whole vegan philosophy, um, is there anything else you want to talk about at all that's coming up? Uh, I'm going to Nepal, yes. Yes, and, yes. And I'm, I'm doing a 10-day uh, meditation uh, retreat. And I, yep. I won't, I, I'm sure the listeners will love this one. And if Mac is listening, he's going to spew his coffee everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I, I will not be talking for 10 days, looking at anything electronic, or mobile phone, which is electronic as well, I know, um, for 10 whole days. Um, I think be... you're going to die. I think you're going to die. I think it's going to be harder than sugar. You'll probably hear my head explode here, <laughs> over there, but it'll be very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a real big test of my mental discipline. That's why I'm doing it. So, um, And it'll be awesome to see the Himalayas. And thanks for... Uh, preempting the answer of that one because you knew what was coming <laughs> yeah yeah um so you're also going to shave your head and get an orange robe or are you not going quite that far hey i like the orange robe yeah look they're pretty cool they're pretty cool yeah well you never know you might if i don't come if you don't hear from me again maybe i just stayed over there 
Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's I guess that's a possibility, but I don't think they have Port Adelaide games on TV in in Nepal. I'll just, have, I'll just have to uh, summon telepathic powers, and you can uh, you can send it through the uh, the airways for me. Mm, okay, that'll work. <laughs> uh, Dylan W on Spreaker Chat has said this being old stuff sounds undesirable and boring, which is true. <laughs> Uh, Matt Lane has said, if we're going to be specific, I'm eating 450 grams of carbs, 200 grams of protein and 60 grams of fat to fuel my workouts and make gains. Awesome. Obviously, you've got the body to gain. I've got the body to shred. (laughs) And it's not, actually, you know what? Um, It's not getting old boring. It's actually, it's actually fun to, to test yourself. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the 20s and the 30s are about get smashed, having fun, just partying, and maybe settling down and having kids or whatever. But I guess I found late 30s transitioning to early 40s. For me, it's all about trying to get on top of mental discipline. Absolutely. And, and uh, sort of being the master of your domain, so to speak. We go to Seinfeld. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> just really, really just burrowing down on on the psychology of who you are and being able to yeah, prove to yourself that you, you're not weak and you can, you can actually do things in your own right without having to follow the stereotypical norm. Absolutely. Um, Matt Lane's got a bit of encouragement for you. Rick's getting shredded. Got to eat big to get big, which, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I got too big. <laughs> okay, well, look, we'll move on. We'll get back to the wrap it up, I suppose, because we have got a little, just a tiny bit of football to talk about before we finish. Sure. Uh, and that's the final wrap. So, Rick, what, who's your winning side? What's your margin? And who is your highest goal kicker for Port Adelaide? Port Adelaide to win. After we'll never the give siren, in. <laughs> after the siren, dead in front, just outside of 50. And the goal kicker will be... Justin Westhoff. Okay. How many? Seven points. No, five points. It's an after the siren win. I'm going to tip the Swans by 32. <coughs> yep. I'm going to say the highest goal kicker for Port will be Robbie Gray with two. And, yeah, there we are. That's that's all on. Um, who's your immediate for Port Adelaide? So someone on the fringes maybe that's going to come up and go, wow, we're going to think he's an amazing player. Uh, well, all our fringe players have shone, haven't they? Is there any left that we can still say that for? For Port, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Logan Austin. Can I still? Yeah. Can, we, can we still classify him as an immediate? Um, look, because you know Logan Austin is now my new super buddy. Um, I'm going to say yes because I'm going to name him as well. Because I mean, okay. let's be let's be frank. Going up against Buddy Franklin, like if he does do all right, that that probably does merit this kind of thing. Because I don't think anyone would think he'd beat him. Um, yeah. All right. Okay. Um, and who's your immediate for Sydney? Have you got one? Nan Curvis. <laughs> what? Just because I was dissing him earlier in the podcast? Yeah. Well, remember the <laughs> shit we hang on Segler. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then, and then what happened, right? So I'm going to go the Nan Curvis man is going to come out of the blue and make Porsche eat humble pie. Yeah, probably, probably. Um, I'm going to say Xavier Richards because he's a fourth gamer who I know nothing about, um, really, and that's exactly the sort of player that's likely to just bob up and be annoying. 
Um, we've got Matt Lane saying that he reckons Austin is going to murder Franklin and get a Rising Star nomination, which would be really nice. Ryan Pillar has nominated Papley for Sydney. And Matt Lane has cr- corrected your naming of Seglar. It's not Seglar. It's Cheglar. Or Portia says it's Cheglar. I'm pretty sure it's Cheglar, isn't it? C-E is usually a ch sound. He's a Hawthorne player, so he doesn't deserve to have his name spoken respectfully anyway. Oh, okay. All right, fine. All right, um, so next, uh, what's your bet the house? This is the final one, I guess. What's your bet the house this week, Rick? Bet the house. I'm yeah. Gonna, oh, man. I'm going to bet the house that Butcher actually plays a legitimate game and you can't question his kicking or anything. Okay. My bet the house is going to be that no Port player will kick more than two goals. So soft. That's weak. Oh, come on. It doesn't happen that's, that often. Ah, oh, that's weak. That's, it's that's pretty infrequent predict- that that happens. That's predictable. I mean, it's if meant we to lose, be a bit the if, house. It's meant to be we, fairly predictable. No, it's, I thought it was supposed to be a little bit of a challenge, like out there. It, it's meant know? to be something that you're really certain will happen, but it's just a little bit of a risk that you're not quite comfortable with. And honestly, that is a little bit of a risk that I'm not quite comfortable with because it'll always take was you know one a third goal from Robbie Gray or someone. Because if we're going to lose by 32 points, they're going to kick what about 80. So we're going to kick 57 goals. That's a pretty safe bet. Mm. All right. Well, I, I don't agree. I'm going to stick with it. I'm running the podcast. Deal with it, Rick. <laughs> coward. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm a coward, but I'm sticking with that. I can't think of anything better off the top of my head. So bad luck. Sure. All right. Well, look. Um. Thank you, everyone, that's listening in. I think it was kind of a bit of a. It got a bit lively in the speaker chat tonight. They got a bit arguing awesome. with each other. I think they could have run their own podcast. Quite honestly. Good work. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening in. Uh, if you're listening in live, that's great, and please do. Uh, and if you're listening in, I suppose, in the morning on the way to work or whenever you listen to these things, thank you again. Yeah. Uh, you can still rate and review us on iTunes. We haven't mentioned it for a while since that early season push, but you can still do it if you haven't. So that'd, that'd be, be nice. awesome. Yeah, look, we we're, like it. It keeps us around the mark. So We've, pr- we've, prob- we've probably plummeted back down the charts now, haven't we? Yeah. yeah we don't exist anymore. Probably. We had our we had our claim to fame, and uh, it's all over now. We we don't care. We reached the pinnacle. We did a Port Adelaide. We reached the pinnacle. Doesn't matter anymore. Well, I don't know that we reached the pinnacle, but okay. Um, well, we, we, get, got, we got number one. Yeah, in that in that sub sub category, but we did get number yeah. one. You're quite right. Um, late news. Uh, Mac has chimed in, and he reckons Sydney's going to win by sixty three points. So that's <sighs> ouch. Uh, and Macca, Matt Lane has chipped in and he has got the hot goss, which is apparently that uh, Buddha Hocking will not be at Port Adelaide next year. Awesome. What, Poor Buddha. It? Yeah, no, well. Well, he's, well, he's been able, around a while. He has, he, look, he's had a fair go. There's no doubt about that. I mean, what's he been? Um, 10 years? Probably about that. Yeah, yeah. so that's all right. Time to go. See you later. I have no, yeah. I have no sympathy there. Him and Voss. Well, that was the rumour that I heard. Um, two, we're going to get tapped on the shoulder. Uh, I think you should be more grateful to um, Buddha because he, bef- the year he came to us, before that he was coaching Geelong Falcons and he would have been instrumental in us getting Jasper Pittard. True, but then Jasper's going anyway, so... Oh my yeah. God, what if they go to the same club? That'd be terrible. <laughs> oh my God, Geelong. 
Well, wherever oh. they go. Like, maybe, maybe, because, oh, God, hey, wouldn't that be awful? Well, well what about he... the other rumour during the week? Like, right at the beginning of the week, which uh, I found very concerning. And I have, I can talk about this because I know, have no inside knowledge on it whatsoever. <laughs> okay. no, what is it? Like, seriously. The one yeah. where someone said that Jackson wants to go home. Ah, uh, look, I reckon if Jackson wanted to go home, you'd probably know about it. I think he's loving playing in Ruck, and I don't think he'll get that opportunity at a lot of other clubs, so, you know. You mean I would know about it, or people would in general? I reckon, or well, both, I re- but I reckon you would know about it. <laughs> no, nah, he, he wouldn't tell me. No, but you get it. You get an idea. Like, it's not all about the words you say, is it? So, but, yeah. uh, but the reality, I mean, like, like, like I just said, I don't think that he'll get that same opportunity to play in the middle, uh, and he's clearly thriving on that contest. Um, mm. You know, you're more in control of your own game in that role. You're more in a position to lead and influence the entire game in that role, and I think he, I think he likes that. I think I'd cry. He's like Mr. Port Adelaide for me. If I had to nominate one person that was Mr. Port Adelaide, he would be it. He'd be pretty close. He'd be pretty yeah. close. He, he yeah. sort of, he sort of feels that same hole that um, Brian Lee's had. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, just, just not as uh, scraggly or ugly. But, uh, no, no yeah. but okay. Uh, but I wonder how scraggly and ugly uh, Mac is looking right now. I wonder if he's got baby poo all over his shirt and uh, I don't spew, know. spew up to his nostrils and uh, all the fun stuff in life, Macca. I wonder how it's going over there, mate. <laughs> all right, look, we're going to wrap up now. So thanks sure. again, everyone. And go the Port Adelaides. Go Rick's three-minute videos. If you haven't checked them out, they're really funny. Can't pull Butcher. Oh, what a handball from... Could be a Ready. catastrophic error. And Wingard can make it really, really sting. It's there, Wingard, from the dead point.